48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Barry O'Rourke. The top stories. Finance Secretary Paul Chan says the connection between Hong Kong and Tianhai will become stronger. The government is assessing the impact of the Confederation of Trade Unions' possible disbandment and the police chief has accused the Hong Kong Journalists Association of ignoring reporters who hold opposing views. Finance Chief Paul Chan says Hong Kong and Tianhai's connection will become stronger. He made the comments after it was reported that a rail link connecting Hung Shui Kyu to Shenzhen's Special Economic Zone will be announced next month's policy address. On a radio show, Mr Chan noted that space had been reserved for the rail line when planning was done for the Hong Shui Kyu's development. Tianhai will grow from around 15 square kilometers to over 120 square kilometers. Their arms are also open to collaboration with Hong Kong and they encourage people here to set up businesses there. The connections between the two places will become very frequent and using rail transport will be more environmentally friendly. More people can be carried on the trains, which will be frequent, and it will be much faster. It will be better than just driving. The investment value for this project has gone up. Therefore, I think it's a plan worth considering. Labour Secretary Luo Chi Kuang says officials have been studying ways to lower the impact of the Confederation of Trade Unions' possible disbandment. The group is one of the government's largest service providers for employee training courses. The official was speaking a day before the CTU is scheduled to hold a press conference. Its executive committee had reportedly decided to start a disbandment process. Mr Law says the Employees Retraining Board, or ERB, is looking into the issue. Starting from a couple of years ago, the RB has already looked into this matter and see what are the possibilities and ways to try to reduce the impact on the trainees as far as possible, such as whether they can speed up the training program so that they can end quickly before the possible winding up. If it's not possible, whether other training bodies can come on board to help completing the training or take over the training. Meanwhile, the Labour chief has defended the government's decision to suspend reservations for rooms at the Penny's Bay Quarantine Centre for incoming foreign domestic helpers from tomorrow. The facility will open on Monday for helpers who need to be quarantined. Bookings for the rooms, which started on Tuesday, were quickly snatched up. However, officials announced on Friday that they had to stop taking new bookings so they could revise the procedures for the reservation system. At a media stand-up, Mr Law explained why officials couldn't increase the daily quota of 50 rooms. If we increase the number of people coming in, and then unfortunately we have high infection rate on arrival, then all these flights will be suspended. And that basically means there will be none coming in. So if we want to increase the quota, the end result is actually reduce the number of foreign domestic helpers who may be able to come. So that will not be a constructive way. Police Commissioner Raymond Hsu has become the latest security official to hit out at the Hong Kong Journalists Association, accusing it of selectively turning a deaf ear to reporters who have views not held by the group. Timmy Sung reports. For days, the security minister, Chris Tang, has questioned the professionalism of the Hong Kong Journalists Association. And now the police chief, Raymond Hsu, also weighed in, saying people can see for themselves if the JA has been acting professionally over the years. Like Mr. Tang, the police commissioner cited the example of a 13-year-old student reporter covering a protest last year. 
saying that instead of caring for his well-being, DJ advocated everyone can be a reporter. Mrs. Seal added that when media workers from organizations that hold different views from the JA were bullied or assaulted, it selectively turned a deaf ear. Is that what a professional media group should do? I will let people judge, he said. But Mr. Seal refused to say if the police would investigate the association. Reports have said that the U.S. Department of Justice is in talks with Huawei and lawyers for its chief financial officer, Meng Wanzhou, about an agreement that could allow her to return to the mainland. She was arrested in Vancouver in 2018 on a warrant from the United States, charging her with allegedly misleading HSBC about Huawei's dealings with Iran. The report said the United States is prepared to end the extradition request and criminal proceedings against Mrs. Meng if she pleads guilty and pays a heavy fine. Court hearings for her case ended in August and a ruling is expected to be handed down on October the 21st. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Friday was day one of voting in the Russian parliamentary elections and two giants of Silicon Valley have found themselves in a tough spot. Opposition activists have accused Google and Apple of bowing to pressure from the Kremlin after they removed an anti-government tactical voting app devised by allies of jailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny from their online stores. The Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov welcomed the decision to pull the app. This app is illegal in our country. Both platforms were notified accordingly and seemingly made this decision in accordance with the letter of the law. But you have to ask the service providers themselves. Leonid Volkov ran Mr. Navalny's election campaign in 2018. He's currently based in the Lithuanian capital of Vilnius. This was his reaction to the app's disappearance. I don't like what is happening for, for a number of reasons. Of course, our app is perfectly legal. It contains nothing but a list of endorsements by Navalny team. Just District 1, vote for this guy. District 2, vote for this guy. So in no legal uh, system, this could be considered to be like extremist content or like illegal information. France has announced it is recalling its ambassadors from Australia and the United States in what it describes as an exceptional decision. On Wednesday, Australia announced it was cancelling a multi-billion dollar deal to buy French-designed conventional powered submarines as part of a new security pact between Washington, Canberra and London. The BBC's Jan Sopel said the French response was extraordinary. France and America are very close allies, and I think it's the first time in the history of the relationship between France and the US that this has happened. And the anger is at, on two levels. The loss of this $60 billion contract that the French hoped they would be selling uh, submarines to Australia, but also the fact that it was done behind their back has aggrieved their sense of kind of dignity that this has happened. The White House said it regretted France's decision. The Pentagon's spokesman, John Kirby, said senior U.S. officials had been in contact with their French counterparts. The secretary spoke with the French Minister of Defense this morning. It was clear from the discussion that there is still much work to do in terms of our defense relationship with France. I mean, more things to work on, uh, uh, that, there are, uh, that there are opportunities and shared challenges and shared interests that both ministers committed to continue to explore. 
A top American general has confirmed that one of the last military operations in Afghanistan killed an aid worker and nine members of his family. The head of U.S. Central Command, Commander General Kenneth McKenzie, said a drone strike targeting a suspected car bomb attack on Kabul airport on the 29th of August was a tragic mistake. I am now convinced that as many as 10 civilians, including up to seven children, were tragically killed in that strike. Moreover, we now assess that it is unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or were a direct threat to U.S. forces. I offer my profound condolences to the family and friends of those who were killed. This strike was taken in the earnest belief that it would prevent an imminent threat to our forces and the evacuees at the airport. But it was a mistake. The United Nations has warned that the world is on a catastrophic path towards temperatures rising by 2.7 degrees Celsius, despite all the promises countries have taken to tackle climate change. This report is from the BBC's David Shookman. Even with all the promises made so far, the global total of emissions is set to rise by as much as 16% by 2030. That's the opposite of what scientists say is needed. They calculate that emissions should be halved over that period if we're to avoid the worst impacts of higher temperatures. Part of the problem is that some of the biggest polluters, including China, India, Saudi Arabia and Turkey, have yet to update their climate plans, while Brazil, Mexico and Russia say they expect their emissions to grow rather than to shrink. So the weather forecast, very hot with sunny periods and one or two showers. Isolated thunderstorms in the afternoon with light to moderate easterly winds. The temperature is now 32 degrees Celsius with humidity at 69%. Now to end the news, the top stories once again. Finance Secretary Paul Chan says the connection between Hong Kong and Tianhai will become stronger. The government is assessing the impact of the Confederation of Trade Unions' possible disbandment. And the police chief has accused the Hong Kong Journalists Association of ignoring reporters who hold opposing views. You're listening to the news on RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. And how about a little cheese for the ladies? Yeah, I'm talking about Jesse, Betty Davis, Sarah, Amanda, the girl over 8786753090, Jenny. How about Rosanna. You're listening to Radio 3. Uh, with me, classic Michael Lance and the cheese. All the morning when I wake up in the morning, see you Rosanna, Rosanna. Never thought that a girl like you could ever care for me. Rosanna. 